You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us. My name is Darius Good and you're listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show. But today we're gonna get into episode 28. But first I wanna encourage you to visit the website Go to thedivorcedchristian.com. You'll find information regarding the book, which is entitled The Divorced Christian, written by Darius Good. You can find the book on Amazon. It's in paperback as well as on Kindle. So there's an ebook version of the book. And we're also giving away a free PDF file of chapter one and chapter 14. And we've been covering chapter 14 for the last three weeks. We're also going to get into chapter 14 again on today. So make sure you visit the website. Also, at the bottom of the website, we have a lot of resources that are available. Um, Information that we share here on the podcast show, I will tell you to go check out some of the resources. So things like the Ketubah, that is very important in understanding the subject of divorce I have samples of what those ketubas look like and definitions is is really the resources of where I got my information from. And so visit the website, thedivorcedchristian.com. You can find all that information there at the bottom of the page. On today, we want to look again at uh, chapter 14 of the book. Um, if you if you have the book, I broke chapter 14 down into several sections. I did it that way. I, I felt it would be a lot easier to read and digest the information. But I did it. Uh, chapter 14 is probably the biggest and most detailed chapter in the book because that chapter focuses on what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five and also Matthew 19 which has become kind of the go-to scriptures on our stance on divorce within the Christian community. And in my research, I discovered a lot of what we've shared is, is completely in error. It's because of our lack of understanding of the Mosaic law. And we have to understand Jesus was Jewish and he understood the law of Moses. Jesus was the law. And of course, one of the common teachings is that Jesus came to change the law. And of course, we've already addressed that because there in the scripture, Jesus clearly stated that he did not come to change the law. He did not come to do away with the law. And this is right there in Matthew chapter five, verse 17. And so this would mean that whatever Jesus was saying was not in contradiction of the law. So that caused me to say, maybe I don't understand the law of Moses. I need to take a better look at some of the laws. And of course, you could find laws regarding adultery, but a lot of the laws are not within the, or just blatantly expressed in the Torah. And I found these laws, especially like the law of the adulterous marriage. And I was surprised because you do see the law applied throughout the scriptures. So that's very important to detail. And so on today, we're going to look at chapter uh, 14 of the book, The Divorced Christian. 
And I want to deal with what Jesus began teaching at verse 27. And so he's teaching on adultery. It has been the, and I've heard this for many years, maybe many of you have as well, that when Jesus began this teaching here in Matthew 5, he was really changing the law. So now he's establishing a new, new laws, new thinking, new understanding, especially in regards to adultery and in regards to divorce. And that is 100% false, 100% false. And so I will show you on today where Jesus was really reemphasizing a lot of the teachings of the law of Moses. These were not new ideas. I think uh, I pointed out at the end of last week's episode, even the teaching of love your neighbor as yourself, that is not a New Testament teaching. That is not a Jesus-inspired teaching, meaning that it came um, with the time and era of Jesus, and we don't see any teachings before him on that particular subject, like with John the Baptist. Um, the, the doctrine of baptism was something, a very new concept introduced to the Jewish community. But when Jesus taught, love thy neighbor as thyself, it is a direct quote from Leviticus nineteen eighteen. Jesus taught that from the book uh, or the law of Moses. And so this, that scripture reads, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord God. That's Leviticus 19 verse 18. And so as we're going to look at this teaching that Jesus gives on adultery, we will clearly see that Jesus is pointing back, back to the law, back to the prophets, which is, if you go through the Gospels, what Jesus did all the time. This is his way of teaching. And he did this because he was the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfillment of the prophets. And so... Um, Let's begin at Matthew 5, verse 27. And this verse says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so we see Jesus at this point in his teaching now addressing the law of Moses in regards to the law that pertain to adultery. Now, we have this word, but, that Jesus uses. And I believe this word has created a lot of the, the misunderstanding in regards to Jesus' teachings, as if he is now stating something contrary to Moses' law. We understand at this point, and we often teach it this way, that he wasn't presenting a contrary idea, but we add it on and we say adultery wasn't no longer just the physical act, but now God is also judging the heart. He's judging our minds. He's judging our intents. If a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, God is now judging that man and he could now be found guilty of adultery. As I've stated, this is not a new idea, it's not a new concept. 
If you go to the law of Moses, what we realize is that this idea has already been expressed. God has already revealed the fact that he judges the heart and the intents of people. The law of Moses forbade them to covet their neighbor's wife. To covet means to desire. That's an inward working of the heart. It's an inward working of the mind. So this is not a foreign concept. The Jews understood what Jesus was explaining to them. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the law stated, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That means lusting after her. And of course, that verse goes on to say, nor his manservants, nor his maidservant, nor his ox or his donkeys, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Deuteronomy 5, verse 21, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, his manservants, his maidservants, his ox, his donkeys, or anything that is thy neighbor's. I'm going to show you in the New Testament, because remember, Paul is a Pharisee that understood the law of Moses. And so he makes this statement here in Romans chapter seven. He said, uh, or as he's explaining, the law revealed the sin of lust. The law, and I'm quoting, thou shalt not covet, was always about the sin of lust. This is what, how it reads, Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. I'm going to read that again in case you missed it. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Paul's explaining that the law revealed to him that the sin of covetousness is the same as lusting. Don't lust after your, your neighbor's things. Don't lust after your neighbor's wife. So when Jesus makes his statement here in Matthew 5, he's not presenting a new idea. He's not presenting a new concept. This is not some divine revelation that they had never heard before. He's really going back through the law of Moses. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, but I say that if you look upon a woman to lust after her, then you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Jesus is saying the exact same thing as the law, which states thou shalt not covet. In the next verse, which is Matthew 5, verse 29, and he talks about the right eye, uh, if it offends you to pluck it out. This is still the teaching on the, the subject of adultery. So what I'm gonna highlight is in this passage, you're gonna find the word offend. This word means or is translated scandalizo, S-K-A-N-D-A-L-I, 
Z-O, which is where we would get the word scandal from. If you look up the definition of this word, it means to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. So what we're going to do is apply this definition as we read through this next passage. So at verse 29, Matthew 5, verse 29, it says, And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for, for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. We are still addressing the subject of adultery. So what Jesus is saying is to ignore the sin, the stumbling block, the sin. If we ignore it, it will cause the entire body to end up being destroyed. This passage made me think of the story of Joshua, where they went into battle. They were instructed not to take any items. And uh, after they destroyed Jericho, they go into the, the uh, city of Ai, at which point they were defeated. And God had gave them very specific instructions not to take anything. And as Joshua was praying, the Lord reveals that there was a family that had taken some items, brought it back to the tent, dug a hole and buried the items. And so that sin caused lives to be lost. It affected the entire congregation or the entire body. And so God is instructing, as we're still talking about the subject of adultery, God is instructing them that the, the act of adultery has to be addressed. It can't be ignored because it will have an, an effect on the entire nation, the entire body. In this passage, Jesus highlights the right eye and the right hand. These are generally the dominant um, sources of strength. So the right eye will be the dominant source of sight. The right hand will be your dominant source of strength. And it's better to lose these things that we depend on or lose these people, cut these people off that we depend on rather than the entire body ending up in hell. Now, I want to highlight this. To cut off, pluck out the, the eye, to cut off the hand. These ideas are the idea of removing something from the body. This is the same concept as the concept of divorce. Divorce is a separation. It means to cut something off. It is a severance. It's the killing of a covenant. It's the cutting away of something that you are once connected to or something you depended on. So when Jesus said to detach it or to cut it off, or he, uh, he said to, to, to cast it from you, he uses this word, and it's, I'll spell it for you, E-K-K-O-P-T-O. E-K-K-O-P-T-O. It's a Greek word, which means cut it off. This is the same word that Paul uses in Romans eleven twenty two. Romans eleven twenty two reads, therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. So he's looking at these two sides of God, his goodness and his severity. He goes on to say, on those who fail, severity. 
So that's what they're going to experience, the severity of God. But toward you, goodness, if you choose or if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So he's talking about being cut off from God. That's the idea of divorce, being separated or cut off. And Jesus is using this exact same term here in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30, lines up with the, the, the law of Moses stated in Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, that adultery had to be addressed, and the adulterer and the adulteress, the man and woman caught in the act of adultery, had to be put to death because the evil had to be put away from the nation of Israel. So Deuteronomy 22, 22 reads, if a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. So once again, Jesus is not introducing a new idea or a new concept. I've heard some bizarre teachings on this, these two verses here of the eye and the hand, but they are still connected to adultery because Jesus has not changed the subject yet. He began at verse 27 talking about, you have heard it said by them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 28 talks about adultery. I don't know why we think and the next verse, 29 and 30, he's no longer talking about adultery. But then when we get to verse 30, 31, once again, he's discussing the subject of adultery. So this whole passage deals with the subject and laws of adultery. Jesus is highlighting and pointing back to the law of Moses as he's teaching this multitude. And so now we come to verse 31, which is the, the foundation of Christian teachings on the subject of divorce. And Jesus said, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Verse 32, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Now, I want you to notice the pattern. Jesus keeps using this word, but. And he doesn't produce any contrary idea following the use of that word. This is the only passage where we as Christians believe now Jesus introduced a complete different thought. So when he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but we didn't turn around and say, well, he's eliminated thou shalt commit adultery and has replaced it with if you uh, lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. No, we've added the two thoughts together. So now it's not just limited to physical action. It includes the heart and the mind, your, your desires and lusts. But for some reason now we read two passages down and we use this word, but, and now create this idea that Jesus introduced an entirely new concept, which he did not. So we never find Jesus contradicting the law of Moses. This is the only passage 
where we teach Jesus changed the law. We teach everywhere else that the law um, was fine, um, that Jesus was reemphasizing the law of Moses, but when it comes to this area concerning adultery, concerning divorce, specifically the subject of divorce, now we teach that it's been changed. Jesus changed the law. And I keep highlighting, he clearly stated before he began this teaching, he did not come to change the law of Moses. So Matthew 5, 31, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. This is a quote. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. That passage says, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And I've put included verse two. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. That's what the law states. Every teaching that we teach on this particular subject violates the law of Moses. So these are some of the popular teachings. We teach that Jesus was, was saying that a man could only divorce his wife for fornication. But according to the law of Moses, if a wife committed adultery, she would be stoned to death. Not only her, only her, but the man that she was caught with. So this would mean Jesus was now changing the law. Was Jesus now allowing adultery to be a divorceable offense as opposed to the requirement of the man and woman being killed? We don't raise these questions. I've never heard anyone talk about, I mean, as they're saying, well, Jesus is now changing the law. Well, what you're saying is now he's allowing adulterers to live. And of course, many will say, yes, he's teaching grace. He's teaching love. He's teaching mercy. But that also means that he changed the law regarding adultery. So actually, that would not be true because Jesus just stated, I did not come to abolish the law. So no, Jesus was not allowing adultery to be a divorceable offense. If he had, we don't consider some of the ramifications of that, that sort of teaching. So one, if adultery was now divorceable as opposed to punishable by death, that would uh, have a direct effect on the dowries. And not just the dowries, but also on their ketubahs. So remember, the ketubah was designed that an agreement was drafted between the man and the woman, and it discussed inheritance. It included the dowry and also divorce. What would happen if this man divorces this woman? What would be the, his obligation? What is he going to give this woman if they got divorced, which is different than her becoming a widow? All this information was included in their marriage contract before the couple would enter into an engagement. So now, Jesus, by this statement and what we teach, would now require us to alter the ketubah. So a blanket statement like this would have a ripple, a massive ripple effect through the law of Moses if he's now stating that you can get divorced 
for the act of adultery. The entire family law system of Moses would have had to been changed. Some teach that Jesus was only referring to cases that involve suspicion of adultery and not the actual act of adultery. In that case, the man would be defiled if he believed that the woman had been with another man. And in those particular cases, the Jewish court mandated a divorce. So when infidelity was in question, the man had no choice. It was all automatically required that he divorce the woman. And the law did permit the woman in that particular case to remarry. So we're only talking about the suspicion of adultery and not someone guilty of adultery. But this is what the law stated in that, that regards. The woman could not marry the man that she was accused of having adultery with. We're talking about suspicion of adultery. In those cases, the woman could not marry ever the man that she was accused of potentially having an adulterous relationship with. The priest maintained a list with the names of the woman and the man that she was accused of having this relationship with. That practice has not changed today. What I'm going to do on next week, I'm going to read to you an article that I found. And the title of the article is Rabbinical Courts Keep Blacklists of Allegedly Adulterous Women. The article was written in 2015, and it's a very interesting article. This article will show you that this practice established by Moses never changed. They did it during Moses' time. They did it during Jesus' time, and they're still following these laws today. So join us on next week. We're going to go through that particular article. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you're listening by radio, join us again on next week. You're listening to episode 28. If you're listening on the podcast show, remember to like, subscribe, and please share with anyone that needs this information. Till next week, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.